Good morning and welcome to episode 661 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Perspectives, brought to you by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. Hello, Ben. Hello. How are you? All right. I guess we have an addendum to our discussion yesterday. Uh, I was not aware, I don't know if you were aware, that Josh Reddick also had a a little bit of a role in the unwritten uh, kerfuffle. I wasn't. Uh, so, uh, Josh Reddick, the day, uh, let's see, I guess before Sunday's game, so after we thought everything had been settled, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Ventura had hit glory and everybody was cool, said that, quote, there's no need for a season to be ruined between two teams that have something so small that happened that's obviously not going to be forgotten when they come to our place. You never know what's going to happen or if we're going to retaliate when they come to our place. I hope it doesn't happen because it's a great group of guys over there. Um, and so this was brought up by people who think that we were uh, too uh, too generous to the A's, mm-hmm. uh, too harsh to the Royals, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, this was before Casimir hit Kane. This is Josh Reddick talking about retaliation. Um, I don't know if you have an opinion. I'll give my opinion, and then I'll, if, if you do, you can give yours, and we can move on. Okay. Uh, clearly, Reddick is a jerk here. Mm-hmm. Um, should not be talking about retaliation after everything was settled, and uh, I agree that this was a uh, this was a bad move. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should have let it go. He should have seen Laurie take his take his uh, punishment. He should have seen everybody move on. He should have moved on. He didn't. That is a bad move. I'd call it like a six, mm-hmm. um, maybe a se- uh, probably a six, <laughs> and I would say that he is partly to blame for the Royals' reaction. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I don't think that uh, there's any reason to tie that quote to Casimir hitting Kane uh, because, uh, again, I think that the evidence to me, to me, is suggestive of Casimir having just gotten a pitch get away from him. To me, that is the interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but I certainly see why to the Royals, an uh, athletic saying business is not done would heighten everything, and therefore I am willing to remove two points from Escobar's <laughs> score and three-quarters of a point from Herrera's score um, and uh, give them a little bit more credit. Does it really uh, affect Escobar's score? Yeah. It does. It does. Uh, it does, yeah, because uh, because it, then you can be... Uh, if, if Escobar's sort of caught up in this and uh, thinks that you know the war never ended uh, and Redick is, is adding fuel to it, then you can sort of see why... I mean, Escobar to me was his crime was uh, was caring too much about this for too long. Mm-hmm. But Reddick uh, continued to uh, to give him incentive to care uh, for too long. So yeah, I I think it lowers Escobar's score. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, by the way, do not. I have no patience. Patience. Patience isn't quite the right word, but I have no sympathy for the argument that Casimir must have hit him because he had control all day. Right. And I just don't think it works that way. Yeah, I I don't think so either. It doesn't make any sense to me. No. Guys hit on accident all the time. Even guys with good control hit batters. Mm -hmm. Uh, It happens. Yeah. We're 
generally in favor of the side that lets things go. We are yeah. people who tend to let let things go. And as we were discussing it, it seemed like the Royals were less willing to let things go than the A's. And so that's a big part of why we came down kind of on the A's side of the, good point. Of the yeah. debate. Uh, and so this, this changes it a little bit. It's an example of the A's not letting it go and inflaming passions further. I think you're right. That is a good interpretation of where we tend to stand. And, and I think that it is evident that Reddick did not throw any pitches or any swings or hurt anybody or touch anybody. And still we are coming down hard on him for the simple crime <laughs> of not letting things go. So just yeah. just put that, yeah, exactly, put that lens on all of the assessments. And it makes sense why we think that the Royals were not letting things go. All right. Yeah. So now we can move on to important matters like batting around. I'm I'm not gonna I, I don't I don't intend to get in an argument about this so I'm happy to I'm happy to give you my reaction to the to the controversy but whatever you say I'm I'm not going to respond to. <laughs> okay, I, well it's you know it's one step up from the hot dogs and sandwiches debate, which as you know is one of my least favorite things on the internet, and this is an equally unproductive debate because there is no official definition of batting around. Whatever you think batting around is, is an equally valid way of regarding batting around. And so there's no real point in debating it. But I was interested to learn that it was a debate. I had no idea that there was any disagreement about what this meant. And uh, was this, was the Jared Diamond article in the Wall Street Journal the the impetus for this? This started it? He He brought this to light? No, well, he was he was writing about. I think he was writing about a meme that was already going. Right? Okay. I don't know. I I, I wasn't aware of it. I didn't. Have you, but did you read the article? I did read the article. Yeah. Uh, I think he I think he gives the origin of his inquiry yeah, within the article. He said right in his his local Sandlot League or some some guy's Sandlot League. Mets blogger. Yeah. A Mets blogger. A, well, you know, a yeah, blogger right. And then everybody was talking about uh-huh. it. With the Mets. Okay. Yeah, so th- were you aware that there was disagreement about whether batting around was nine batters or ten batters? No, although I I guess I would have kind of in- intrinsically known because I didn't actually have an opinion on which it was. I think I've used both. Uh, I, I I use it when I, I think I use the phrase whenever I notice that a, that the thing has happened. So I think I would generally consider nine to have been batting around on this on the idea uh-huh. that uh, to circle something means to come back to the starting point and uh so which you can take either way (laughs) right but yeah (laughs) but to me if you go around the world you don't have to take a second step in the direction uh Uh, but i also if a guy when the 10th batter comes up i will sometimes think oh now they've batted around right Uh, so i don't have an opinion i could i could i think i've used both either way i would have leaned toward i probably would have leaned toward 10th man has to bat uh if i'd had to choose yeah. Um, the Dixon Baseball Dictionary. Yeah, I just pulled it is, out and looked. It's very oddly worded, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's okay, almost so like it's, they didn't want to take a side. So this is the so this is it's one sentence except it's like kind of two clauses. So it starts with to have all nine batters in a team's lineup bat during an inning. So that settles that. <laughs> right. Oh wait, comma with the tenth batter coming up. Yeah. Well, now that. That's very definitive. With the 10th batter coming up is very definitive. But that is not what the first clause says. The first clause says to have all the... I mean, 
the the first clause you could say oh well yeah no you have all nine batters and the tenth one coming up that's what it is except then you don't need to say all nine batters coming up mm-hmm. if the tenth one is coming up it is presumed the previous nine batted there is no skipping of batters right. in baseball so the fact that he included the, that clause to have all nine batters in the team's lineup bat during an inning uh, is a is a strange sort of rug pulling out yep. uh, in this argument yeah. Well, I always thought it was 10. I always yeah, thought that the sense. initial batter had to come up again. It never crossed my mind that that was not the case. I guess it's just, it's probably just whatever broadcaster you grow up watching, however he regards the, the 9 or 10 thing, then it, that's what you internalize it as. So in this article, Diamond quotes Vin Scully as a, as a 10 person and John Thorne as a 10 person. And those are pretty authoritative people so i'm comfortable with 10 but nine is perfectly okay i'm just uh, i'm interested i mean it's it's kind of fascinating that i didn't know i've been following baseball my whole life and i had no idea that everyone thought that this was something else or a lot of people thought this was something else it's like the debate about what color people are seeing when they say that something is green are they seeing the same green that you are i always thought everyone was seeing the same thing thinking of the same thing when they said batting around turns out that's not the case it is going to be hell if people argue this for for very long oh, i mean please. It is going no. to be the, so <laughs> i resolve that whatever i sense is 50 percent plus one support i will throw my weight behind that one i just anything to end it Yes. Because it's fine right now. It's a fine one-day thing. If I hear one of you people talk about this on <laughs> Thursday, I'm muting you. I'm firing you if you work for me. I am ending this Skype call if you are Ben and never returning. <laughs> okay, it's pretty high stakes. If you email us with this, it is you are being added to my spam filter. <laughs> do not do it. Do not try. Okay. Well, you won't hear a word about it from me. All right. We ready? Yeah, well, what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> I got bronchitis, Ben. You've had it for months. No, no, I mean, that's why I've been coughing. Oh, so you've, you've got a diagnosis. I got a diagnosis. I, I found out that I have bronchitis. I'm taking antibiotics. That is what the coughing has been about for the last two months. Well, I'm glad you got that checked out. Uh, all right, I'm going to be talking. This is the uh, second annual uh, Is This Change in the Game Real episode. <laughs> oh, no. This is a good one. What do you mean? It's the easy, easy peasy one. This is. I have the to best make so many help. predictions. No, you don't. You just tell me whether you think it's real. Nobody revisits these. Can we, we might revisit it. Can we talk about Brian Price for a second? No, do it tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow? Old news. All right. What do you want to talk about, Brian Price? Uh, I assume that you read Brian Price's rant. I'm just going to say, by the way, that I am now dividing this list of things in two, and this is also <laughs> next Tuesdays. So I'm getting two episodes out of it. Let's talk about Brian Price. Right. I don't even have that much to say about Brian Price. I just want to say that I'm really glad that I'm not a Reds beat writer. It seems like... Well, one particular one. It's yeah. Like... Trouble seems to find poor poor Trent Rosecrans through, through no fault of his own that I can tell. Um, the opposite of fault. Yeah, absolutely. As far as, as far as we can tell. At least that's how it plays. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a black cloud of Reds people saying mean things to him for no apparent reason. So this thing, there is a great transcript, tra- transcribed Brian Price's rant uh, at Cincinnati.com. 
and it's mostly asterisks i think just from from expletives that have been expunged from this transcript so he's mad about the fact that trent reported that devin Masaraco was not with the team that that is why he was not pinch hitting and he was also reporting about another player who was on his way to or from AAA, and the team hadn't told the other guy who was getting sent down that that was happening yet, and so he found out about it through this report. And and Price just kind of very illogically keeps asking Trent how it helps the Reds, <laughs> as if as if it is a beat writer's job to help the team that he is covering. And he seems to acknowledge that that's not the case, that he knows that that's not necessarily the beat writer's job, but he is still very wronged by this report. It's very odd. I guess it's a just a still sort of inexperienced manager whose team is on a losing streak, and he's in a bad mood, and he is frustrated that things get reported, and Twitter exists, and it's not possible to hide things as easily as it once was, or the press is not in the team's pocket the way it once was. Very odd. Very strange rant. Go go read the transcript if you haven't read it, but I don't have any other thoughts on it, really, other than it's just very, very strange and unlike rants from managers that I've seen before. Usually the rant is just, you know, second-guessing or something. They get mad about second-guessing you. But they don't usually get mad at you for just reporting a thing accurately, and that was what happened here. Yeah, it, uh, I I think there's something about those those teams that only have like three or four beat writers uh, yeah. that changes the dynamic a lot. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I I I'm I don't know what I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that familiarity breeds contempt, or if it's that familiarity breeds a sort of level of comfort that you could even do that. I mean, I don't. I don't think it was comfortable to to see Trent, but like maybe I don't know. Maybe just not having. I don't know if you. I don't know. I don't know the scene. I I, I wasn't there. I don't know anything about it. But I'm not sure you feel comfortable as Brian Price. I don't know if you feel comfortable doing that if there's 30 people in your office and you don't even know like 16 of them, which is how it is in a lot of you know in some markets. Uh, it's a more intimate setting. Um, yeah, talk to the same guys every yeah. day. You okay. maybe start to think that they are on your side. Or that they are, you know, your mouthpiece or something, as opposed to people who are just trying to report things. Yeah, bummer for everybody, but probably C. Trent handled the last one of these well, and I'm guessing that um, he'll handle this one too, and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to the All trends, right. which may or may not be trends. All right, so we're going to talk about things that are uh, different this year, mm-hmm. and decide whether they're different for a reason and whether we think that they re- reflect a, uh, a change in the game or a trend line in the game that is likely to continue. Okay. You, re- you remember this game. I sure uh, do. I remember being wrong about things. It's one of my favorite ones that we did last, last year. I mm. really enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. All right. So first off, Ben. Okay. First off, we're going to do sacrifice bunts. <laughs> All right. What's funny about that? We're starting small. Okay. Go ahead. Small ball. All right. What do you think? Up or down? Up. Up. All right. In fact, down. Mm. Record, record low, lowest in recorded history by a mile. (laughs) By a mile. Good start. Good start. We're 
Well, I'm not. I'm not really asking you to predict these things, but uh, less than half of what it was uh, in like 1980, and like less than a third of what it was in like 1939, uh, and like like a fifth of what it was in 1927. Uh, but most importantly, 0.23 bunts per game so far is a full five hundredths, a full twentieth of a bunt per game less than the previous record which was last year, 0.28, uh, which was the lowest ever uh, as well, mm-hmm. uh, matching 2013, uh, which was the lowest ever as well, bettering 2012, mm-hmm. uh, which was the lowest ever as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, so basically this is the like kind of the third year, one to fourth year in a row that, that we're on pace to have a new record for fewest sacrifice bunts mm-hmm. in the game. Um, and of course, on the one hand, of course, we all know that the bunt is out of favor, the sacrifice bunt at least. I think that there's, a, by the way, there's a conflating of sacrifice bunts and bunts for hits. Well, yeah. It seems like whenever I read an article about the bunt, uh, or when I remember, I remember Joe Morgan, uh, gloating, uh, when the A's, like, won a game because they bunted, but it was like he bunted for a hit. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's not the same. You can bunt for a hit. Nobody ever had a problem with getting on base. Anyway, so that's that's one angle that that would explain why it's going down. However, uh, the bunt uh, you would know this better than I, but the bunt has more utility in a low-scoring game in a low-scoring offensive environment, and you would expect maybe counterforce that would be pushing bunts upward because uh, games are uh, lower-scoring, offense is harder to come by, and games are closer. Correct. Yeah, that's why I uh, that's why I guessed up because I thought exactly. there was going to be a reversal of some sort. Was it because Derek Gould wrote something recently about whether the bunt makes more sense now, and he talked to a bunch of Cardinals about whether it did. So okay, so so real. It's a it's a continuation of a trend, and I wonder if the you know sabermetric lineup thing is catching on, and teams are using better number two hitters, maybe. That's part of it. Maybe you, you know, number two hitters were perhaps more likely to bunt guys over to get them into scoring position or something because they're good bat handlers in the past. But now that they're actually good hitters more often, you'd be less likely to ask them to do that. Maybe that accelerates it. You would also think maybe that given shifts, and a lot of shifts do take place with runners on base, they're sometimes modified and sometimes they don't do shifts in certain base out states. However, you you might think that the shift would open up more opportunities for sacrifice bunting, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's yeah. a runner on first, if there's a runner on first, and you're you're kind of already thinking about bunting maybe, or you're on the fence, and the third baseman is pulled way over, and so you think, well, I can bunt and I got a shot at a hit because he's you know he's he's not he's not defending me. Uh, it makes it more likely that you you know you'd lay down a bunt thinking that there's more possible upside. Uh, so you could see it, however, uh, maybe not. So, yeah, it's also possible that, uh, some, uh, some aspect of this might also be that pitchers, as we know, are getting progressively worse as mm-hmm. batsmen. And so some portion of this, cause this includes pitchers bunting, some portion of this could include, Oh, I just thought of something. Some portion of this, uh, did I think of something? Maybe I didn't. Some portion of this could include the fact that pitchers maybe are worse at getting sacrifice bunts down. And they're they're costing the tally. I'm trying to think. So now that interleague play is uh, year round, there would be 
interleague games early in the season, but I don't think that would matter. I don't think that affects anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Probably. It probably doesn't do anything. Because yeah. you have more games in... Nah, yeah, no, I don't think that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I guess, you know, actually, now that I think about it, there's one fewer there's one fewer NL team than there was three years ago, four years ago. Oh, that is true. And so that would explain... That might explain why it... That might explain why it dropped from... Well, it was already dropping. It was dropping very steadily about a hundredth of a bunt every, you know, three to six years. And then it dropped two hundredths of a bunt the year that the Astros joined. And so I'm willing to say that that explains that drop. Mm-hmm. But now it's dropped five hundredths of a bunt. And like I said, we're talking about a hundredth of a bunt every five years for like the last, for like the last, you know, 60 years, kind of. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it drops five hundredths of a bunt. So we think that it's real, but not this real, right? Right. If if point two eight was the previous record and point two three is where it is now, you expect it's gonna end up at point two seven, don't you? Yeah, sure. Somewhere around there. Alright. Okay, one down. <laughs> I, love this, I love this game. <laughs> Alright. Next one is going to be hits by pitches. Mm. We are at a all time high mm-hmm. for hits by pitches. We're at an all-time high. That is tied with 2001. So 2001 also was an all-time high. And it's slightly ahead of 2004 and 2003. So there was a little bit of a bump in hit-by-pitches at the time. Uh, however, no, never before more than this, um, 0.39 per game. Last year was 0.34. Year before, 0.32. Year before, 0.31. And, uh, yeah, you would probably would want to look at this if you, if you were interested to see the trend. But uh, it looks like hit-by-pitches went up. Uh, with offense in the offensive era it went up and then it started to go back down and it was going back down reliably until about 2012 and then suddenly inched up inched up and now big spike 2015 hmm. so uh all-time record and hit by pitches we getting there it's mostly alcides escobar's fault <laughs> <laughs> well so we've We've talked is about. It, is it Ben blaming the Royals again? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you say it's more Josh Reddick's fault? <laughs> He's not blameless. So. I just lost a lot of respect for you, Ben. <laughs> so we talked about this before, right? Did we? We had a theory for why they were up because you'd you'd think they would be down, right? Because when it's a low offense era, when guys are not getting on base via hits and homers are down and everything's down then it's more costly to give a guy a, a free base, right? Because he's not going to get on it's otherwise. More costly. It's more costly to give him a free base. And you could argue that with uh, A, with home runs down, there's less reason to you know bust a guy in. Like maybe right. you're, you're less worried. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and secondly, walks have generally been way down over the last few years, which sort of implies better control by pitchers mm-hmm. yeah right so did we have a theory for why it was up in the last couple of years i don't recall huh uh, no i don't know did we i didn't remember what we talked about this I think we might have talked about it in last year's trend check-in but if so i don't know what we concluded i don't know the fact that it's been up for a few years is suggestive that it's not just a two-week thing but I'm trying to think of why it would be, and I'm not coming up with a good reason for why it would be, unless it's, I, 
it's not like more innings going to relievers and relievers have worse control or something like that, is it? It, it probably doesn't make sense. The bottom nine teams have fewer hit-by-pitches than the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, the Rangers have been hit a ton. How many yeah. of those are Chu? Because Chu always gets hit a lot. Only two. Rugi Odor is five. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if that's a thing. He was only, well, he was hit five all of last year. Huh. He was hit five, he's hit five this year in a ninth of the plate appearances, an eighth of the plate appearances. Wow. wonder if that he is... has moved closer to the plate or something. He was a little bit of a hit by pitch king in the minors. A little bit of one. Not a, not a huge one, but 16 times uh, as a 19 year old, 10 times as an 18 year old. Hmm. Well, I don't have a good explanation for this one. So probably will say that it's going to go, eh, I don't know. I think it's going to go back down. These are the last, so these are the last uh, seven years. 0. 0. 0.3, 0. 0.32, 0. 0.31, 0. 0.34, 0. 0.32, 0. 0.34, 0. 0.30, 0. 0.2, oh wait, that's the wrong column. <laughs> 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 okay. What were we listening to? Sacrifice hits. But, <laughs> all right. 0. 0.34, 0. 0.33, 0. 0.32, 0. 0.31, 0. 0.32, 0. 0.34. That's pretty freaking oh. reliable. Yeah, that's flat. And then this year, 0. 0.39. Okay. So I'm going to say down to 0. 0.34. I'm calling it flat. I'm I saying agree. It goes back down. Once the and, Royals and A's don't play each other for a couple months, it'll come back down. So let me, uh, let's see, 0. 0.05 times uh, 368. This is always a good thing to do when we do this. Right up uh, there with talking, reading the wrong column is calculating we, things. We are talking uh, 18 extra hit-by-pitches this year. Mm. So uh, always a good reminder when we do this that we're usually talking about small numbers. Mm-hmm. All right, Babbitt. Mm. Uh, as we've talked about multiple times on this show, uh, Babbitt strangely doesn't uh, seems to be immune to the shift. Uh, even though the shift, uh, there's all sorts of evidence, it seems, from video scouts and such, that the shift works. Uh, it has not affected uh, Babbitt. We've talked about why that is. Our theories all are terrible. Uh, but maybe we just weren't, uh, maybe we just weren't being patient because Babbitt is down 10 points this year. Wow. It is down, well, it's actually, it's down 11 from last year. But over the previous five years, it was a 297 league, league average Babbitt. And very reliable. I mean, never really, never more than two points off of that. Uh, and really, if you look at Babbitt year to year, there there aren't usually swings. There are there are dips that tend to to sometimes go in like four, five, six year cycles sometimes, but uh, not a lot of like one year that's five points off or anything like that. Hmm. This year, though, eleven points off. It's dipped from two ninety eight to two eighty seven. Uh, that's it's huge. I wonder what historically that would be in terms of drops. Well, uh, so if it stated an 11-point drop, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, there was a nine-point rise that in 1993 when offense started again. Uh-huh. There's nothing close to that uh, as a drop since then. I think the biggest drop is uh, three points, four points, I guess, from 2000 to 2001. It dropped four points. Uh, there was the nine-point rise in 93. Uh, there was a seven-point drop in uh, 88, uh, which was the year that offense... 87 was the year that offense randomly spiked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so when it went back down, Babbitt dropped seven. Um, and there was an eight-point drop in 81, which was the strike-shortened season. 
seven point drop in seventy eight. So you, if you uh, look, there are some years that uh, that things have changed somewhat rapidly. It's not unheard of for things to change rapidly, particularly you know as we saw, like eighty seven offense goes way up and then way down very quickly. I mean, there's usually a reason for it, yeah. but it happens. Right, and it doesn't look like there's any monthly trend in BABIP, at least looking back at last year. BABIP in March and April was no different from your June or August, so it's not like a, just an early season effect, I wouldn't say. Well, I can I can answer, if you want, I can give you like the last 25 years See well, if there's a seasonal thing. As long as you don't actually read them all <laughs> and read not, the wrong no, column I, first. I, no, I did that one time. <laughs> well, now it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, so Babbitt by month since 1990. Okay. I'm not going to read every year. This is a cumulative. Okay. 293 in April is the lowest. Uh-huh. 296 in May. 297 in September and 298 in the three summer months. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, few points. five points. So that's significant. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. All right. All right, now you know all the facts. So I will say that it's part April and part fluke. Let's see, so if it's 11 points right now and April is five of that, let's say, then I will guess two points is real. All right. Two points is real, so it's going to go from 280, 298 last year to 296 this year. Yeah. All right. Uh, wild pitches. Mm. Highest ever. Tied with 2013 uh, and just ahead of 2014. So this is a, clearly a, uh, a trend. Hmm. The, the, technically not true. Technically, in, in 1871, there were three <laughs> times as many wild pitches as there are now. Uh-huh. However, for the modern era... Uh, 2015, 14, and 13 are basically the three highest years on record. Um, and uh, it's been a fairly steady climb as well. Um, and I think it's fair to say, like, this one's a, a gimme, probably. Although, this is odd. Wild pitches dropped from, like, 2000 to 2012. They actually dropped from where they were at the end of the 90s. Uh, and then they've been moving back up. But over the, over the long haul, eh, wild pitches have been pretty steady with a very, very... Very gentle slope upward. Uh, Are past balls also up? Do we know? I can look that up, I think. Well, you think that guys are throwing past harder? Balls, past balls are not up. Past balls are actually down hmm. a little bit. You think that guys, guys are throwing harder, batters are missing more balls, catchers would also be missing more balls, less reaction time, harder to block something that's way outside because... It's going faster. It gets there quicker. Yeah, good point. I don't know why past balls wouldn't also be up in that case, unless there's been some sort of scoring. Well, change. Yeah, yeah, it could be a scoring change. I, I think I, I personally like this. I like wild pitches. I think that if we're not gonna, if 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 so much more of the action is going to take place uh, in the batter's box without, you know bats being swung and balls being put in play. Mm-hmm. I like that there is attention to every pitch. Yeah. Like to me, to me you could triple wild pitches and baseball would eat, would be more exciting. There there's probably a point where it would become a farce. But many many more wild pitches to me would be much much more exciting. I I love the wild pitch. I love the threat of a wild pitch. 
Yeah. I love worrying about a wild pitch. Wild pitches are good for the game. Yeah. And then you get exciting plays on the base paths, and there's throws, and there's pickles, and rundowns, and yeah, it's all good. Okay. All right. Uh, complete games are uh, way down for this time of year. Um, so I looked at in the team's first 12 games since 2000, every year since 2000, and there were there are two this year and one last year. So those are both very small numbers. <laughs> and And it really is unusual because, like in 2013, there were seven. 2012, there were five. 2011, there were ten. There were, I mean, the 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 starters not going deep thing is not a new phenomenon. And in the very recent history, there would be like 14, 13, 12 complete games to this point in the year. Hmm. And this year, there's only two. And last year, there's only one. And this year, it sort of seems particularly interesting to me because uh, the season started a little later. And mm-hmm. I would guess that pitchers... I mean, spring training obviously started a little later too, but I would guess that pitchers probably would have been, I would have expected them to be slightly more ready because the season started a week later. Mm-hmm. Um, so complete games very oddly are way, way down. I don't really have a good reason for this, for why it would be so much different than it was two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. Do you? Well, you. I mean, you'd think as offense goes down, it would be the opposite. It would be the opposite, exactly. I mean, two in this day and age is like none. Yeah, well, I guess it's just, more caution. And one of them doesn't even count, Ben. One of them was a loss. It was an eight-inning loss. Hmm. Mike Leake, he only had to go eight because he was a revisiting team and he lost. So really won. Who's the lone complete game? Josh Colmenter. Mm, that's right. <laughs> Just who you would guess. So, <laughs> huh. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a combination of greater caution and awareness that Pitchers get hurt earlier in the year, and you want to be careful with them, combined with greater awareness of times through the order and teams carrying tons and tons of relievers. All right, give me just a, all that all that stuff combined. Give me a give me a pitch. Give me a pitch number. A number of pitches. Just a number of pitches that you think is like kind of a lot, but definitely reachable at this stage of the season. Uh, ninety-eight. No, more than that. Like uh, we're doing like 108. Like where you'd think, oh wow, that guy threw a lot of pitches for this early, but not a lot. 108 is rare these days, I think. Okay, fine, good. 108, perfect. So 108 uh, is the lowest it has been in the past decade by a considerable amount. There have only been 20 pitchers who have thrown at least 108 pitches this year uh, through their. uh, Sorry, not through this year, but through their team's first 12 games. Whereas Last year, there were 47, so like almost a 60% drop from last year. The year before, 46. The year before, 45. So this is actually pretty significant. There's a huge drop overnight in the number of pitchers that were allowed to throw 108 or more pitches uh, this season. Now, well, I was going to say, now some of them might have completed the game in less than that. (laughs) Not the case. That is the exact opposite of the truth. So somehow 108 became, like since last year, became taboo in the first two weeks of the season. All right, so now I'm going to look at your number, 98, and see if the same is true of 98. 98, 121 this year, and uh, there were 169 last year, so there was a drop. But closer to previous years, uh, I'll try, uh, I'm going to try 88. Let's see. 88, basically right in line with historical trends. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, more than in 2006. 
So somewhere between, uh, so the the bar, the, the line moved uh, mm-hmm. almost overnight from uh, it's okay to throw 95 or 100 pitches this early in the year to a lot more guys getting pulled at 90, strangely. Interesting. Odd. That's an odd one. Yeah, I guess everyone read my article about early season elbow injuries. All right. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Are you cutting okay. yourself off? No, I have I have one more, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use it. I'm not gonna turn it into a whole new episode next week. But there is one that I think we'll talk about another time. Okay. All right. So we are not gonna do an email show tomorrow. We have something else planned, but we will do one probably Thursday. I'd imagine, unless something else comes up. So send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Support our sponsor, the Play Index. At BaseballReference.com, use the coupon code BP when you subscribe to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription, and we will be back tomorrow.